Vibe, good folks at FaceFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. Right now, there's a weekly special deal, 15% off any Commander single from, from any of the Commander sets have been put out over the years, and there's been a couple of them, so definitely check that out for this episode. Really special episode because we got a lot of hot topics, and we got a very special crew. We got Derek Pite, my good, my good castmate. We also got Edgar, the hottest Magic Canadian Magic player, maybe, maybe just, maybe not just Canadian, but hottest Magic player uh, of of the year, in my opinion, just keeps popping up. We got Brian, special, special returning guest, Brian Gottlieb, the handsome man himself, and we see his face this time from the Game Podcast. Really excited to have these three on. How's it going, gentlemen? How's it going, Brian? With some basketball in the background. Everything's fantastic, KYT. Even though my newly adopted team of the 76ers are currently <laughs> losing. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll redo my basketball alignment after tonight because they have looked underwhelming. But uh, yeah, I had to get a new team since I left New York. And I really had no desire to take the Knicks or the Nets with me as they are not particularly impressive NBA franchises. So I was signing up for the Sixers, and now I'm reconsidering after tonight. All right, some, some, some tweeps have uh, tried to convince you as an adopted Canadian to take up the Raptors. I suggest you do the same. The Raptors are a pretty exciting team. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the Raptors. I, I got to see them live a bunch in Brooklyn, and uh, I, I was pretty into the team. So maybe. We'll, we'll see how the season plays out. My, my services are still up for grabs. I'll say that. <laughs> so good to hear. Edgar, again. Fresh off another win. I'm um, going to use this moment to plug the Ottawa Open, facefacegames.com. Tournament series goes to Ottawa this Saturday for everyone in the surrounding regions. Uh, some people are driving down from Montreal. But definitely check that out. Go to facefacegames.com or f2fseries.facefacegames.com. Um, Edgar, how's, how's it going tonight? It's going well. Glad to be back on the show so, so soon. <laughs> it's like I predicted every time and happy that the predictions keep being right. Uh, Derek. How's it going, my man? Things are good. I'm still trying to get a hold of this, uh, this <laughs> OBS stream through Google Hangouts thing and trying not to get Echo. And I found out that I misspelled Brian's name. Um, I can't spell or read. I'd like the record to know that I uh, misspelled, or I asked everybody how to spell their last name, but not their first name for some reason. Um, but other than that, things are good. Can't complain, um, you know? If there's uh, any echo, I hope people in chat can, can answer. And, and shout outs <laughs> to Jonathan from the Head Game Podcast, who I mixed up, unfortunately, with someone else. Apologies once again on a previous show. Um, let's get down to the, to the hot topic. Um, it was, th- this is a, a, a tough little subject for me, and that's why I'm glad to, to have uh, the three of you on, three of you with, with strong opinions. Uh, very strong opinions on this. It's awkward for me because the person in question uh, was, I, I guess, not a super close friend of mine, but someone that I, I grew up uh, knowing since I started Mana Deprived, was a supporter from day one, and someone I consider a, a friend. And, and like Derek with Matthew Falks, like like Brian with Jerry Betcher, uh, it's, a, it's an awkward situation when, when um, someone you consider a, a friend is, is the person at the center of all this. And for those of you who haven't, Caught up to the news, uh, Dan Lantier, a two-time GP champion, was caught cheating at, on camera at a local Ottawa event at the Wizards Tower. Um, he was playing a, in, in a modern event, uh, dre- playing dredge, and the, the cheat was he had two stomping grounds in his graveyard, and he cracked the fetch, uh, which I think, I believe, was a wood of foot, foothills. Um, and while the opponent was, was sort of turned to mark out the life loss from the fetch land. Uh, Dan quickly, it, it looked too smooth, picked one of the stomping grounds from the graveyard, put it back in his deck, mixed it in, and searched for the stomping ground. So he's try, uh, presumably he's trying to fetch a, a stomping ground, and there's, there's no more in the deck. So in order to do so, he, he brought it back from, from the yard, and uh, people saw the cheat, and there was an uproar, and then at 4 a.m., I feel roundly, roughly 4 to 5 a.m. is when Dan made a Twitter statement and Facebook statement. I, I feel like he likely stayed up all night thinking about this, or he just woke up really early, and he explained that he was trying to correct a game state. He, um, he didn't really put in exact words, but I think everyone's assuming he's implying that he dredged uh, 
uh, too many cards at some point. So the stomping grounds should not have been dredged, should have been in the deck. So he's just correcting it by himself without a judge and searching for, for a stomping ground that would have been in his deck in the first place. Um, and then he, he also stated and posted a deck list uh, showing that you know, there were three stomping grounds in the deck anyway, so, so it, wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. But uh, a lot of investigations have been done, whether it be by Edgar over here or, or Jeff Cunningham even chimed in to, to search through the old videos and, and the other matches and, and to find that uh, he likely did only have two stopping grounds. Uh, Edgar, I'd let you take it away with, from here. Yeah, so basically the, the crux of his counter-argument was that uh, since he was just trying to correct the game state and not trying to cheat, he wasn't... Uh, necessarily gaining any advantage because he had a third stomping ground in his deck to fetch anyways. And uh, he posted on his Facebook wall a picture of his deck uh, that he said he used during the tournament, which included three stomping grounds and some other lands, fork offline, gorge, etc. And claimed that that was the mana base he used during the tournament. Um, myself and Jeff Cunningham actually did this separately uh, and arrived at the same conclusion. Uh, went and watch the VODs uh, from the Twitch channel. And I kind of just uh, watched the VODs in slow motion, uh, paying attention to all the dredges. We saw such a high percentage of his deck during the match because he's playing dredge and was just cross-referencing what his deck list uh, that he posted on his Facebook wall. And at one point, uh, I found the smoking gun, which was just that uh, he had three arid maces in his graveyard, even though the picture he posted on his Facebook wall only had two arid maces. And what that says is that um, if he's willing to lie about that deck list, he's likely doing it to cover up some, some other thing, some other malicious intent, and that is just the absolute red flag for the entire situation. What if he, hmm, I wonder, what, did it, does it change anything if he didn't say that, if he didn't post a list, if he only posts a list as two stomping grounds? You, Edgar? I mean, it changes something. It makes it it makes it less easy to to cross reference and to to really know for sure. Because at no point do you ever see his entire deck. So like maybe you can give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe maybe you can say it's oh it's nine in the morning and he was tired. But uh, the the fact that we know for a fact that there was basically no chance there was there was three stomping grounds in his deck and that he was lying about that fact just just creates a, a, an entire new narrative where where he's trying to be malicious about this. He's, he's trying to take, take advantage of the situation and trying to sugarcoat everything so that people believe otherwise. And so, again, I forgot to add how, how awkward this is because we actually had him on, I guess, multiple times. And you were on the show, Edgar, and we, we had talked, we had picked his brain about blue-white control because uh, he had, uh, I believe, top four uh, SCG recently. And... Uh, yeah, shocker, uh, Wizard's Tower, and the, the place where he played at, ended up making a statement on Saturday. Uh, I'm just going to read it quickly. On Saturday, October 13th, during the Armada event, Dan Lante was caught manipulating his deck during a match. After the event, the incident was reviewed by the owner and a local level two judge, and he was DQ'd from the event. A full report of the incident has been put forward by us to the DCI and Watsi of the incident. We also contacted all players involved in matches against Dan Lante and provided them with the correct prize based on where they would have finished. The behavior and actions exhibited are unacceptable to anyone at the Wizards Tower and will not be tolerated. Wizards Tower always strives and works towards creating a safe and fine environment for all staff and customers in our store. This incident was not representative of this, and we have given lifetime a lifetime ban to Dan Lantier from playing any events at our store. Uh, we will always work with our community and players to provide the safest and best environment for players to play the games that they love. We appreciate all of your support in helping to build our owner and Joey Hoffer. General Manager, uh, Wizards Tower. Um, Ryan, my man, what, what do you think about this? Uh, the store stepping up and uh, giving this gentleman a lifetime ban? Good for them. I mean, <laughs> this guy should never be allowed to play Magic again. I don't even want to talk about his excuse because it's so flimsy and unfathomable that I don't even want to like give it any credence. It, it just doesn't check out. It doesn't make any sense. And then when you actually like even just hearing it not doing any research i'm like this is a really stupid excuse then when you add edgar's research on top of it i give it zero credence whatsoever and i i'm not going to get too much further into that i just wanted to discuss like people who are doing things like this are fundamentally eroding the fabric of the game 
and accepting consequences for the rest of their lives. Like if you're ever in this position, if if you don't understand what something like this does to your reputation, I mean, look, you Google this guy's name, this will stick with him. And someone like Jared Betcher, who was one of the most savage cheats we've ever seen, that will stick with him. I I can't forgive him. We we were friends before he was caught cheating. I basically, at the time, there were plenty of accusations around him. I confronted him and he swore to me up and down. He was clean. I said, okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. If this ever comes out that I'm here, I'm here supporting you now. If it ever comes out that you are lying to me, we will not be friends anymore. That's what it comes down to. And he was lying. And I have spoken to him like twice since. And I am publicly still telling people not to trust him because he's unrepentant and basically shows no remorse for what he did. I, I mean, these people. <laughs> okay, yes, this is a game. I was going to say this isn't a game. Obviously, magic is a game. But <laughs> you're stealing from people. There's no twisting words about it. You are taking money from other people. Uh, this is borderline criminal. You are depriving people of the right to enjoy this game. You're making a global climate of suspicion that takes away comfort and joy and ease of play to every single person participating. It's just such an incredibly selfish and unself-aware thing to do that it's almost impossible for someone who does something like this to be redeemed in my eyes. Like, can I get okay with you where I... I'm willing to say hello and you know I'm I'm not just outraged by the side of you maybe maybe after a lot of time but you'll you'll never be my friend again you're not a trustworthy person when you exhibit traits like this and I have no reason to go out of my way to support you or really to have any interactions with you it's it's just sad I wish it seems to these people I think it seems small in the moment like oh I I deserve to beat this person I shouldn't lose to this person I'm I'm a GP top eight competitor There's no way I would lose to this person So maybe I'll just fix this one little thing And I think that's how they justify it And there's a lot of ego and pride and inability to accept losses And they feel like they deserve these results So they're willing to manipulate things in order to achieve them And it's so much bigger than that It it, it goes beyond the game you're playing into everyone's enjoyment of the game and and to stealing as well. And it's just disappointing. And something has to be done on Wizard's End to disincentivize this. Because the if you're just looking at straight money value, the incentives are there to cheat. Outside of morality, you'd be foolish not to cheat at magic because the consequences are so small and the payoffs are large enough. And you're relying on people's own sense of morals to kind of guide them. A lot of people don't have the best sense of morals. I, I'm sorry, that's just a fact. And you need to put some outside limitations on the system to disincentivize cheating. Otherwise, this will always be a problem. And it's fundamentally impacting everyone's enjoyment of the game. Really problematic. Completely, uh, Brian. I've even... ever seen this level and feel really discouraged as if, like, you know, everyone's doing it. A lot of people are doing it and they, they, they feel helpless. Um, and... That then uh, I was really surprised because whereas Jared Batcher and Bertoncini always had this aura of, of sketchiness, I, I from my perspective, I never heard it from Dan, um, and and it's news to me that that I, someone dug up, I mean, tweeted out an old Sammy T uh, Reddit post or something that he alleged uh, a Dan Lanty cheat. Um, so that's why I am surprised. I'm not surprised about the uh, people that have since his banning. Uh, felt like he deserved it and are uh, are really happy because of the type of behavior he uh, displays while playing sometimes. Uh, I, I think he's worked on it over the years, but um, yeah, I, I can totally see why some people are really happy and he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And uh, it makes me think of uh, PT Origins where I actually uh, went over to his place to to test for it. and. We we did a test draft at the Wizards Tower with with a bunch of the Wizards locals, and uh, you know I was staying at his place. And after I think I beat him round one, he like raged, like ripped his deck apart, and then like left the store. And that's why I've always not been surprised that uh, you know he's someone that just can can just uh, emotionally explode at times. But I never heard stories of him being a cheater and. Uh, 
yeah, it's still a shock to me right now. Emotional intelligence is is a constant, and behavior like that it's not always indicative of like an inability to understand the consequences of cheating. But I'm hearing things that run very similar: inability to accept losses, excuse making, all of these things. Uh, the people who have been, you know, called out, caught as cheaters, often they display these symptoms over and over and over. Um, and, you know, I just want to say, too, you talked about people being happy that he is banned. Well, he's only banned from Wizard's Tower. And we have no idea what's going to happen with Wizards of the Coast if he's going to get. I, I mean, I've heard people say they think he'll get six months. If he gets six months, that's a goddamn injustice. Like, honestly, that just blows my mind. This is someone who I'm, I'm assuming his record is clean and he has nothing else on his, his history. He's never been uh, suspended before. He hasn't been watched for a long time by whoever is watching people for cheats. If that's the case, I think he should get four to five years. And if he ever does anything again, he should be gone forever. Now... Is, do I think that's what he's going to get? No, I think he's going to get a year and I'm going to be really disappointed about it. Unless this is the start of a new policy towards cheating. Because I think under past historical treatments, I think it's very reasonable that he gets only a year here. Hmm. Actually, Edgar, well, what, do, what do you expect him uh, to get as a penalty? And, and what would you be happy uh, to see him get? Uh, I think I agree with Brian that if we were to go on past precedents, it's it's fairly likely that he's going to get a year, a year and a half. Um, like you, I haven't heard anything about his sketchy past or anything like that, uh, aside from maybe one or two instances from from specific people. And the way they've been doing it, 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 it seems like they give it a bit of a wash on the first go, which is not something that I necessarily agree with. I would prefer a bit of a harsher, punish, a harsher punishment. Uh, playing magic is a privilege, after all. And I don't, I don't think that these people should be tolerated in, in any way. And just a year or a year and a half even just, just feels like such a low amount of time for, for someone who's doing something so damaging to the community. Uh, just the fact that there's so many discussions like the one we're having right now constantly in the Magic community is just, it creates tension during tournaments. It's bad for new players. It, it's just something that I, I personally wish didn't exist. And if uh, people got, like, significantly long periods of time like three four five years for first offenses or even even a lifetime uh banning with like a parole option after a certain amount of time or something like that like i, I think that would be a better system but that's just not something that wizards been doing in the past so i i don't really expect it going forward in this instance uh brian have you seen any sort uh step it up to a lifetime ban before i can't recall any stores really taking uh, a hard line and i i think i'm not 100 percent sure on this i i won't even say it i, I think there's a large tournament organizer that has taken steps to exclude uh known cheaters from their tournament series i don't know authoritatively but i, I think that's the case um and look if wizards isn't going to do it someone has to Right. And I completely understand why you do not want this person in your store. He is not good for your business. Obviously, entering a store is a privilege, not a right. And I fully support Wizards Tower here. And I mean, maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it takes a conglomerate of tur tournament organizers, maybe face to face has to step up and say, look, if you're not clean, you're not playing in our tournament series anymore. And is there a risk in making that decision from a business standpoint? Sure. But Sometimes you take risks and you let the cards fall where they may. And if it's creating a better environment, a better tournament series, I could see why you could get some large dividends from taking that chance. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense to me. Um, Derek, last, last take, what, what do you expect? Uh, if we can get your audio, me and you audio working at good at the same time, what do you think he's going to get and what would you be happy to see? Uh, I'd be happy with uh, probably two years. Minimum, and I expect him to get six months to a year. And I think that's because he's a first time offender. And uh, I think it's because it was at the level of play. Um, I don't honestly know if that's how they uh, choose to ban people, 
but I, I think it's part of it. Uh, like, I think Dan Ward should have got a longer sentence because he was cheating at the PT, um, but he didn't. And I think if Dan Ward's only getting six months for cheating at the PT and lying to a judge, then I wouldn't expect much more than that for uh, Lantier. And I think that's just what it's going to be based on past things that have happened, like, literally weeks ago. So. Well, hopefully there is going – I mean, I'm with you guys. I, I don't see it changes substantially with the, the recent uh, length of suspensions they've been, they've been handing out. So um, one can only hope. One can only hope. Um, a- any last words from you guys on, on this topic? Brian or Edgar? Don't cheat if you do go away, hopefully forever. Get out of my game. Like that, like that. Um, so, move on to some happier news. Let's jump into straight to Edgar's win, which which I couldn't believe. I'm like, I, I was like, hey, uh, I'm just rooting for 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 other people or something before. Actually, not really. Like Keith, I was rooting for Keith because he had won uh, the Toronto Open at, at the CNE. So I'm like, hey, can you run it back? Allegedly, he was playing uh, some sort of not very good deck according to the people uh so uh his odds weren't weren't gonna look pretty good it, it just seemed like it was consensus that he was not going to win um and i i don't think in my mind like edgar's gonna win again like and if you told me he was playing amulet titan again it's like wow like what what a beast what a beast edgar uh once again what happened? Did anything happen to, to turn you back to you, your original baby, your, your pet deck, Amulet Titan? Yeah, it was a, it was a combination of a few things. Um, I was talking a lot with Keith, actually, and he was trying to sell me on his black-green deck, but uh, I decided not to decided to let him try that himself first and then maybe pick it up afterwards if I, if I thought it was a good choice. But... Uh, I recently, for a bunch of modern tournaments, I've tried some different different decks. I played some Blue Eye Control. I played some Banned Spirits at a Star City Open, and nothing was really uh, like picking up my interest. And with the with the new set coming out, with the addition of Assassin's Trophy into the metagame, and actually the addition of Creeping Chill, um, Dredge has been on a pretty big rise on Moto, and the Black Green X strategies. Uh, have been a little bit on the rise online, uh, but I know from playing a lot in the Toronto area that there are a lot of diehard black-green mages in Toronto, and a lot of them have recently dropped the, the black-green strategies, the Death Shadows, the Juns, um, to play other stuff because the deck just wasn't that good. But I knew with the printing of, of a, a new premium black-green removal spell that all of them were going to be back on it for this weekend. So I decided to to bust out Amulet. It has it has a good black green matchup. It has a good dredge matchup. A very fantastic dredge matchup. And I played against John four times. I, I beat humans a couple times and beat Goldfarb in the finals on Burn. And and that was it. A, pre, a premium. I, I think someone a, a, a host or something left it out of their top five constructed cards from Guilds of Ravnica. Uh, Edgar, what, what's the impact uh, of guilds so far? Is it just Assassin's Trophy, or are we seeing other cards uh, thrown in the mix? No, I think the the big addition is is Creeping Chill, actually. Uh, Dredge is, is showing itself to be a, a true force in the new metagame. The fact that all of your opponents start at, at such a lower life total just because of this all this incidental drain, it makes your conflagrates better, it makes your blood gas better. It gets, it's just so good for the overall game plan of the deck, and, and I think that People would be foolish to underestimate that deck going forward. Right, Brian, have you been messing with Modern? I, I know you, you talked to me that you wanted to pick Edgar's brain on, on Dredge. No, I don't care about Dredge. I, I have zero interest in Dredge. I, I've been playing Modern a lot. I have an article coming out on Star City tomorrow about a hot new Modern deck I have discovered. Um, the second such hot new modern deck, I was playing a lot of Necrotic Ooze previously. Um, I think that card is quite good. I think it got some very substantial new tools uh, in Doom Whisperer, and there is a very good combo build of that deck. Then I discovered a new deck. I don't want to spoil it yet. Um, it, 
is built around a Guilds of Ravnica card that nobody else is playing in Modern. I'll say that. So you can check that out tomorrow. Um, but I, after I saw Edgar's result, I'm, I'm not making this up. I promise you this is true. After I saw Edgar's result, I said, okay, that's it. I'm picking up this deck. And, and it's not that I haven't played Amulet before. I worked on it years ago. Before it was a known deck, I remember being in a Facebook group with like Jerry and Raptor, and we were trying to figure out how do you make this an actual modern deck. And we got kind of close and then gave up. And then people continued the work and Summer Bloom came in and eventually Amulet became one of the best decks in the format. But in, this, in like the time since that early experimentation phase, I've drifted away. And today I ordered the entire Amulet deck that I was missing uh, in foil, actually. I wanted to hyper-incentivize myself to make sure I play it. So I'm like, I'm going to go hard. I'm not going to go soft here. Um, so I, I ordered the deck today. It should arrive, mm, I think two days, three days was the shipping time. And I plan to start playing a lot more Amulet. Because, I, I mean, look, I respect mastery. And obviously, Edgar has shown mastery over this deck. His results are preposterous. And I like the fact that you get paid for your investment on this deck. I think that's the biggest drawing point for me is that Modern is the most popular format in Magic. It's not going anywhere. I have to find a deck to love and embrace and just be willing to tie my fate to and adapt and, and really buy into. Um, and I have flirtations with decks. Like I played a lot of Tron over the last year. I was very happy with that choice. I think it served me well. Um, but I'm looking for the next deck to lean really hard into and and find mastery of. And I think the the real drawing point for Amulet Titan is it feels almost like it's not skill capped. Like the more time you put into it, the more returns you get. And look, there's people understate the difficulty of Tron. Like you certainly get benefit from knowing the deck. And I, I watch Tron players play and make 12 mistakes in the first three turns of the game. And it's very obvious. It's not as simple as people expect it to be. But there is a cap. It doesn't have the same level of depth, the same level of uh, really capacity to learn. That's something like Amulet does. So I'm in. I, I totally believe in this deck. I think it's a very powerful option. And I'm looking forward to just like exploring it, figuring it out, and learning all the intricacies because edgar i mean i think it's fair that you rely on the intricacies of the deck to get you out of situations right that's what this deck is all about oh yeah for sure uh, a huge benefit is the fact that going into any any match i know the matchup better than my opponent almost 100 percent of the time and they your opponent's just not going to know what you what you have available even if they know all the cards in your deck they might not necessarily know like how much mana you can make on a turn or or what what sequence of of cards you can play in order to get yourself out of a sticky situation and and it's definitely something that uh, rewards you for knowing the deck so well. There it's just it's just one big toolbox and everything works so well with each other in the deck that it, it almost feels like you're solving a puzzle and that every game has a solution and and it's like you said even to this day I've been playing the deck almost exclusively for years and I and I still feel like I'm coming coming across unique situations every time I play the deck and and being challenged over and over again. I'm checking some some of the comments and uh, one, uh, on the Facebook page, one of them to to the decklist I posted. Your decklist was uh, spicy Emrakul tech. Um, were there any spicy uh, specific spice spices in your specific list, uh, Edgar? Yeah. So the big change that I made for this past weekend uh, was the inclusion of the card Emrakul in my sideboard and the card Adventurous Impulse in my main deck and. I cannot take credit for that. Um, it, uh, I forget his name. I believe his name's like F. Pauls. On I shouted him out on my on my Twitter. He's a uh, an Argentinian streamer who's been playing a, a good amount of Amulet on his stream, and and I would tune in every once in a while. And he was tinkering with this card, and it, it intrigued me. It's just a it's a new way for the the deck to gain some consistency. Uh, find your Azusas more reliably. Find your bounce lands or your Titans, whatever you might need in a specific situation, and the uh, overall consistency of the deck uh, feels like it might go up a little bit with the inclusion of this card. It's something I need to test a little bit more. My my reps are pretty low, but it, it's definitely a card that has promise and something that performed well this past weekend. And one of the things that um, popped in my head as a possibility when I when I included this card was uh, 
going back towards a more mid-range game plan with the deck after board against against some of the the black green strategies and and the blue white strategies uh specifically with the uh re-inclusion of the cartilas tracker something that i haven't played recently in the deck um the fact that you have these pseudo ponders to find them as opposed to having to pack for them lets you play uh, a game where you really force your opponent to react to you and then once they do you punish them with the titan chain that that no deck can beat going late uh, and Emrakul was kind of just the the top end of that, where since you now had uh, four Ancient Stirrings and uh, three copies of Adventurous Impulse to really dig to this one-up card, uh, that is almost always going to win you the game when you cast it going late against these, these mid-range and control decks, uh, it really felt like it was worth the inclusion. Reading, reading some of the uh, troll questions in chat, <laughs> Edgar, what's the optimal number of stones? Stomping grounds that you should run in dredge. Um, I think Morgan's asking about uh, should he run humans in a GP Atlanta? Uh, is that dumb, Edgar? What's your take? Uh, I don't think you, I don't think you're ever going to go wrong playing humans. Um, in general, I think in modern you're probably just better off uh, playing with you what you know. Uh, and as long as it's one of the viable archetypes and it's not being completely destroyed right now by the, the slightly more popular decks in the formats, like the 6% as opposed to the 3%. Uh, so if, if you feel comfortable playing a deck like Humans or, or, or Blue-White Control, somebody you've been playing for a while, you're, you're not, it's not going to be an egregious decision going in. It, it, I find that Modern is very much about the, the matchups and, and knowing the matchups better than your opponent. Are you hitting uh, GP Atlanta? Uh, yes, I will be going to GP Atlanta. Um, I had told Keith that I would play whatever mid-range deck he would he would tell me I should play, um, because I didn't I wasn't going to have time to test for it since I'd I'd be focusing on standard for the Pro Tour. But after this weekend, I I, I think I might renege on that promise and uh, probably just run back a very similar amulet list to what I was playing because especially. I, I can't overstate how good the the dredge matchup is, and and it excites me to no end that people are playing that deck again, and and I would love to farm that for an entire tournament. <laughs> I love that. I love hearing that. Uh, Derek, any any chance you're going to the GP? Uh, I probably won't be going to Atlanta. Atlanta's pretty far away from us, and since I'm not qualified for any pro tours ever again, um, I probably won't be going. But. Uh, if I was playing modern, I don't know what I would play. I still hate the format. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should just be playing amulet, learning to count. Uh, but I just want to not play modern <laughs> if I can. I like standard. I like coming ninth in PTQs. That's more my thing. Uh, Brian, are you like the GP going to GP Atlanta? And uh, our mutual friend Mike Flores actually hit me up to ask me if I was going down to GP New Jersey. Um, I don't suppose now that you're all the way on the west that you're, you might be flying down for that. No, I, I am flying to GP New Jersey, actually. I'll, I'll be at New Jersey. Uh, I'm going to take the flight out and then go see some family up in New York afterwards. So it kind of works out. Uh, and I don't really intend on playing Atlanta, but if the circumstances line up, I don't know, maybe I'll end up going. Just bought uh, a foil deck. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, what if I give you some crash course lessons? Will that will that increase your chances? Maybe, maybe, you know, I, I think a lot of the problem is that it's rare that I have enough time to devote to tournament prep, and I don't want to go to a tournament I'm not prepared for. So I am inclined to just opt out unless I find myself with the time to be like, okay, I finally have something that I'm super into. I think this deck is well-positioned. Um, otherwise I, I tend to be more selective with my tournament attendance this day because my focus is not necessarily on qualifying for the pro tour. It's just about making the best content I can on a week to week basis. And I think the approach is very different. Whereas like if I was solely focused on getting to the pro tour, then I want to, uh, lean really hard into a specific matchup and know everything I can about it. Whereas if I'm trying to make good content, I feel like I need to know a little bit about everything. And that takes up so much time getting the familiarity. Um, it it kind of leans into my prep time a little bit. But I'm going to go to New Jersey. I'll consider Atlanta if I start playing Amulet and crushing it and fall in love. 
but I am going to Portland uh, at the end of the year because it's very close to me, and that's a modern GP. So I certainly have some some modern to play. And actually, there's a charity 4K in Seattle this weekend over at Mox Boarding House, which is modern. So I will play, be playing a little modern there. Probably not doing any prep for it, but uh, you know, nothing beyond what I've already done. But still, there's there's some modern on my horizon. And Derek, I I get your frustration with the format. I I do. It's it's not like the purest form of magic. Uh, there's some downsides to it, but it's the future of the game. If you saw Willie Adel, he did a survey a few weeks ago, and he recently tweeted out the results of that survey, and it was targeted about people and their preferences for both playing and viewing magic. And the extent to which modern has surpassed standard is jaw-dropping. A lot of that comes from having bad standard recently, but I don't think you can understate the ability to invest into a deck and have it forever. And the average Magic player just loves Modern. And, uh, you know, one of the flaws with Pro Tours is that they're kind of hyper-focused on the entrenched. And they do need to do more to reach the average player, I believe. And that's how they become their, their best version of themselves. They need to appeal to a broader audience. They need to get more traction in the community. And part of that is, like, a higher focus on modern probably so whether you like it or not i think it's the future of magic and it just kind of behooves you to prepare for it and I, i'm not downplaying your concerns there's things about modern i also don't like but you got to find something you love and lean into it i think and that's the way you get through it i uh i unfortunately agree with you although i definitely think that uh the problems with standard are not um like they're not worse than the problems with modern and I think partially it's because um, there's not a lot of good standard content right now. I think not a lot of people are being sold on how good standard is as a format. And I think because modern is so open and so uh, like diverse, I guess you could say, there's a lot more room for bad content to be made because there's so much more space for it. Whereas in standard, you get a couple good content creators and then you have a couple bad ones and there's like no other space to go with it um with modern you can write five articles about a deck and there's 100 decks you have 500 articles and standard you have like 25 articles and people write those in three to four weeks and the pro tour happens uh to me like i think modern is much better for coverage much better for uh your average magic player who doesn't want to invest a lot of money basically everything you said i think is correct but i, I still think that uh format's trash. That's fine. Hey, I, I didn't know you had, like, one of the funniest uh, Twitch channels ever. I, I haven't been here for all the, all the trolls. Um, like, some of them are just killing me here. Like, the... Where is it? Keith has bragged about his great fucking life 216 times. Like... Who comes up with this stuff? Listen, um, here here in the misplaced stream, we got we got quite quite the the rowdy crew. We got uh we got some weird stuff going on that you might not want to know about, but it's here. I drop in usually uh during the afternoon or on a break or something, and it's like, okay, it's pretty it's pretty PG. And now we're I'm just seeing all the all the great stuff coming in. And uh I, I didn't throw shit at, at Keith and I hope Edgar backs me up. I picked Keith to win, and then all these people are like, ah, he's probably playing a shitty deck those are people who were telling me that he wasn't likely to win so no shade from me let's just clarify that um brian uh before you drop out i'm gonna just wanted your quick take because we didn't talk about it uh on the show on the new just the, the banning of uh just the getting rid of the pptq system just like a quick word or two uh if you feel anything if you care at all thank god <laughs> i can sum it up like that the pptq system was awful Again, referencing Willie Adel's uh, tweet, the survey results showed something like 10% of all players were satisfied with the PPTQ system and like 70% of all players despised it. Um, look, old PTQs had problems as well, but at least when the day ended, there was a possibility you were on the Pro Tour. And that was infinitely preferable to me. Um, I'm excited to see what the system looks like going forward. PPTQs were an abject disaster. 
And I played very few of them, but I am still thrilled I'll never have to play one again because they were not fun. Uh, and and anything would be better than that system, I'm pretty sure. So you, you're cool with rolling back to like the, this giant opens where, um, well, the, where one player gets, gets to make it or? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's optimal, but if you, if you gave me a choice between PPTQs or that, I would take that. I'm hopeful that something better comes along and there's, you know, be it scaling based on PTQ size or uh, if it becomes more associated with, I mean, even if it was just like PPTQs or PTQs are gone, except for Magic Online, which I think is an important part of the program, PTQs are gone and you can only qualify through GPs, but GP invites extended further down. Like I'm fine with that too, just, any anything but what was happening is preferable to me. Whatever they want to do, I'm on board with. And if it's just reversion to the old system, that's still better, even if it's not optimal. So I'll I'll take what I can get right now. Yeah, I just want to clarify for my sake and curiosity: is it just because some local stores give miserable play experiences? That's a huge part of it. There's also just like you can, if you if you didn't win, your day was. A complete waste you're walking out with like eight packs of magic cards which is completely irrelevant if you did win you haven't actually achieved anything yet you just get to go to another tournament and you know you can argue that that's like a ptq win as well you get just get to go to the pro tour but the pro tour is special we know that and an rptq was not special they didn't feel special you had to pay entry fees to play rptqs like there was just nothing good about rptqs they were very silly um they were also just like these hives of hubris it was unbelievable when i'd walk into an rptq and just like the disdain people had for other rptq competitors it was not a pleasant environment whatsoever and also i've talked a bunch about the social aspects of the ptq scene uh, look i'm not signing up for that at this point in my life but going back 10 years ago when i was heavily invested in the ptq scene that meant a lot to me it's where i met some of my best friends in magic um, so many great players I came to know over the year, you know, playing against people like Siggy or Matt Costa or just everyone in the Northeast who was like, it, go on to become incredible players. You played Mike with them Flores. on Mike Flores, sure, 20 years ago. Let's not say 10 years ago. But uh, <laughs> yeah, all these incredible like people and personalities who you had the chance to play with on a regular basis and you got to know and became friends with. And that was a big part of my Magic experience for years. And that's been missing. For magic for me and part of that is me getting older but part of it is also just like this was a system that bred camaraderie and there's nothing to replace that right now and i i hope something replaces it that gets back to that feeling of like this is my community these are the people i know uh there was like a real pride in regional magic it felt like which i mean maybe you guys have it to some extent with canadian magic but i, I think it's missing currently in US magic, there, there's no more regional pride. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always a little hesitant about things that border on uh, nationalistic pride, you know, those type of definitions don't always do us the best benefit, but it was nice to see guys from your local community succeed. And you knew the PTQ winner every time. And you said, oh good, that person's back on the pro tour. Uh, it doesn't, the current system doesn't seem to engender the same kind of feeling. So I, I hope we get a, suitable replacement that gets back to some of that kind of stuff. All right. Th thanks for coming on, Brian. You're always welcome. This is your original home. Never forget it. And uh, come back anytime, my man. Thank thanks you. Thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it. All righty. That was Brian Gottlieb from the Game Podcast and former host of many of the shows that, that I've started. And um, he's, he's been killing it content-wise on writing for SUG. And uh, him and Jerry are killing the podcast game, especially if you're a competitive player and you're looking for a podcast, that's the number one podcast to go to that I recommend. There's other that, that are coming that are following their footsteps, but you know they're they're the ones that are, are crushing it. Uh, Edgar, any any opinions on them just like getting scrapping the the pre TQ season stuff like that? I don't know if how much you've had to play that, <laughs> being such a badass. Oh, I, I had I had to play it a good amount. I I, I only recently got got on a on a decent train. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel like my opinion is, is pretty different than most. And I think part of that is the fact that I started playing competitive magic a lot later than a lot of these people. So I didn't have to, uh, slog through 
or, or play that many of the old school PTQs, but the ones I did play felt pretty miserable. I played a couple really large ones where I ran deep and then ended up getting almost nothing out of my entire day. And and they, they felt like an overall pretty bad experience. And my overall PPTQ experience felt like it wasn't that bad. But again, I played the PPTQs early in their inception. Um, but I, I felt like for the overall grinder, uh, for for the the like mid to high level player in the area, the PPTQ system was good for for qualifying. Maybe the tournaments themselves weren't that good, but it, it was. I felt it was easier for for a person to qualify because you you kind of just played more Swiss rounds, right? It was a kind of like a lower variance system. Um, but I I think that there there were problems and. If they get rid of it and find something better, I, I think that that would be good for the game. Uh, I just hoping that it's not go back to the old system because, in my opinion, the old system was worse than what we just recently had. Hmm, all right, uh, Derek, any takes on that? Nope, no takes. Um, <laughs> welcome, final nub to the show. What's up, my man, Grishel Brand expert? Are you still Grishel Branding? <laughs> Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Um, actually, it seems like I missed the uh, modern por portion there, but uh, I'm actually planning to abandon the uh, the dark arts of Grizzle Brand for um, you know, try to hide from the crimes that Grizzle Brand didn't commit, aka Dredge, but um, but still TBD. I was actually looking at um, Amulet or Dredge uh, myself for Portland, but uh, that's uh, that's to be seen here. So um, I mean you. I just know you from top fouring. I think it was top four at GP Toronto yeah. with the pack. Yeah. So, so do you? Has these OP changes uh, changed much for you yourself? Yeah. You know, I, I may I may have some different perspectives here. You know, I myself started. Um, you know, it's almost been two years actually. So, my my perspective on uh, organized play and how I found it so far might be a bit different. Um, I know a lot of my friends here that I made um, that have been grinding for years and years detested the um, PPTQ into the RPTQ system. You know, I kind of personally enjoyed it because one, it gives me an outlet to competitive play um, that I can't get online because, you know, there's a certain charm to just the social interaction and, you know, playing on in paper that I kind of like. And two, it got me to go to local stores that I never knew existed or I otherwise wouldn't. And, you know, I've I've been to some pretty crappy stores, but I also found out some hidden gems that's not in the suburbs that I would have never gone to. So in, in, in that regard, and also meeting the local players from those suburb, uh, suburban areas as well. So in that regard, I kind of find it a um, kind of a pity for that system to be gone. However, um, I am kind of looking forward to the system that they have uh, announced where, you know, there's there are open events, open uh, qualifying events, as well as some sort of like a loyalty or a, um, a, a system that rewards a continued excellence, you know, something that may have to do with like planeswalker points or something else. So I'm cautiously optimistic about the change, but I, I, I did like certain aspects of it. Sweet. I, I, we'll have you like give your, give your thoughts on Modernson since uh, a lot of people consider you one of the pioneers, well, of course, of the Grishel Rand deck. So before we turn to standard and wrap up the show, you know, give us some quick takes on, on what you plan to be bringing to modern. Besides uh, more detail uh, outside of uh, dredge and etc. What what's your, what are you thinking? What's final nub thinking? Look, when Guilds of Ravnica was spoiled, I was very very um, uh, ecstatic about one particular card, and that was Discovery Dispersal. And the red black version of the deck was sorely missing the third set of cantrip slash enabler beyond, um, you know, Faithful Saluting and even Knight's Whisper. And um, so Discovery is one black for um, the Veil two, then draw one card. And that kind of fit perfectly um, in, in the deck, as well as, um, you know, it, enabling you to forego Knight's Whisper, where the life loss is very big. And that and um, Doom Whisperer, I think, uh, which I, I was kind of thinking that would be a very good option on the sideboard for fighting, um, you know, mid-range and control matchups. So I was very eager to test out um, these two cards, but um, the last two weeks, when um, after Guilds of Ravnica have um, been online and legal, um, I've been running into a bunch of uh, 
uh, uh, graveyard hate as Dredge is, um, Dredge is uh, becoming a real deck again. And Creep and Chill, um, I've tried it. It's very, very good. And I think it's time to start packing four Ley Lines plus again. Um, just anecdotally, the, in the last Modern Challenge, I was facing Elves, and they, they were playing Leyline of the Void. Like, that's unheard of. And th that was, like, the moment when I'm just like, okay, maybe it's time to hide and, you know, bide my time until Graveyard decks are um, good again, because Dredge has that effect, and Affinity has that effect as well, right? It's a cycle. So I do think um, Green Black, or Jun specifically, is pretty good here. Um, the trophy obviously frees up a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, sideboard space, and it allows you to streamline your sideboard into a, a very powerful 75. I kind of want to um, try it with the experimental friends instead of the Planeswalker package for grindy matchups, but that's um, to be seen um, as to how good it is. Dredge, I think, is excellent here. Creeping Chill has added so much velocity, and it it, it lets you grind as well. Um, so I think Dredge is going to be very good. I was actually um, asking Edgar about Amulet uh, this morning here. Um, I do I do understand that the um, learning curve is pretty high, but um, look, if there's a bunch of mid-range uh, and uh, decks that dirtle, I think a deck like Amulet Titan can be very good. Um, I really wanted to play Burn, and me and my friends have been thinking that Burn has been uh, well-positioned for the last um, two months, actually, but... I think Dredge and Creeping uh, Chill is going to put an end, end to that, uh, unfortunately. So all in all, in all I think if, if someone told me that humans and spirits were going to decline, I would have been happy to continue to run back Bristlebrand, but I think the metagame is very hostile right now. And as of now, for Port uh, GP Portland, I'm, I'm off that deck. I gotta, I gotta try some new exciting tech. Maybe it's Amulet, maybe it's Dredge, maybe it's... Um, this new um, Steam, Steamkin slash uh, Arclight Phoenix deck that, that looks pretty busted, but um, I'm still in my exploring phase. <laughs> What's with Derek's eyes? All right. Well, Derek, let's, let's shift to standard um, as we wrap up the show. What, what, what have you been playing? What do you recommend people play? Let's go. Um, I've been playing like only Green Black, and uh, I think Green Black is just the best deck, not close. Uh, I think Black Green just has the, the best color combination. And I think that if you're playing any other colors, you probably have to be pretty lucky to be consistent if you're not uh, playing with po high power. So I think like cards like Teferi are high power. Um, cards like uh, Frenzy are very high power. But I think that the rest of the Form. The rest of the cards in those decks like don't really pull the weight of the rest of the cards in those decks, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I think Black Green is just one of the better decks in the format. Final nub, have you been messing around with Standard? You know, I'm not normally a Standard guy, but um, Guilds of Ravnica Standard has been very fun, such that the first two weeks of uh, Guilds, I've actually been doing... 100% um, uh, standard rather than modern, which is kind of weird to say. And uh, Derek, I, I'd be curious to hear what you what you think about this. But um, I've had a lot of success with red um, in the first two weeks here. Um, first week, um, I spent a lot of time uh, optimizing the aggro red deck, and I had a lot of success beating most decks, including um, green black. But that was before they adopted um, wild growth walker, which was <laughs> unbeatable um, in my eyes. Uh, in the PTQ, the, f uh, the first PTQ, I was 6-0 going into round 7, and then, you know, I, I faced the uh, Demanding Dragon buzzsaw, and uh, I proceeded to lose three win, win ends, which was kind of shitty, but whatever. So I kind of I moved on to the bigger red, uh, treasure uh, red archetype, and I found it really good. And um, I, was I was finding that the baby red was losing a lot to the green-black decks, as well as the green-white and the Boros Angels uh, archetypes that go slightly bigger, have uh, definitely carry on, and just generally um, able to compete well with your axis. So I started playing things like Karn, the Sign of Urza, um, a bunch of uh, Siege Gang Commanders, uh, Maximize Frenzy with Treasure Map, and had a lot of uh, success with that, actually, and um, uh, including with uh, against green-black with Wild Growth uh, uh, walkers and I was three one in this week's uh, PDQ, but uh, I was double queuing and unfortunately I hit the drop button on the wrong event. So 
that was the worst punt I've had um, in my magic career so far, but let's not talk about that. But anyways, what, what, I, I, I've seen your stream before. I know you like the green, black, uh, green, black, black archetype a bunch. Like, what, what do you think about threat matchup? Uh, I think you hit it pretty much on the head. Um, the red matchup is real easy when I have Wild Growth Walker in my deck, and the matchup is pretty difficult when I don't have Wild Growth Walker in my deck. Uh, and by difficult, I mean like 45-55, maybe for red's favor. I don't think it's like significantly in red's favor. Um, I think that the red deck, like I hinted at before, is just not very powerful, other than the card Experimental Frenzy, and maybe Rekindling Phoenix. Um, simply because every other card in the deck just kind of sucks and is high synergy. And if you can break up the synergy or even gain a couple life here or there, uh, the red deck just sort of falls on its face and needs something to push it forward. And there's no, like, staying power like Chandra in the old one, uh, in the old red deck, and there's no, like, really good card like Glorybringer to put you over the top, in my opinion. Um, I played green-black in the PTQ this weekend and finished ninth. Uh, I was X2. Um, there's one X2 that made it. Uh, I think I punted around. Um, but I also lost to red once and then beat it once. I think the one time I lost, I kept a sketchy one. And, uh, the other time I won, I just rolled them. Like it wasn't close. I, that's what I found with the, the red matchups is that you either don't have a chance or you just roll them and there's no in between. Um, as for the go big strategy, I usually find that if you're bringing in cards like Siege Gang Commander, you're just weaker to other red decks. And same with Treasure Map. and Because you, you just have all these clunky cards in your deck that don't really accomplish anything. So unless you like actually have a good end game plan, it's very hard for me to believe that like that plan is good enough. Like you you have you have like very powerful more powerful spells, but they're not, like, beating the other powerful spells in the format still, if that makes sense. Um, but that's just my uh, viewpoint from the black-green side. Maybe from a smaller red deck side, the white-red deck is harder to beat. But from the black-red side, it it's, makes it easier for me because you're not as concentrated trying to kill me as quickly. No, I, I think that's a great point here. And your comment about the smaller red matchup is uh, on point here. I kept getting steamrolled, and I've tried anything from Dare, uh, Dire Fleet Daredevil to Diamond Mirror. And I think Diamond Mirror is horrible, by the way. I think red mirrors are all about, um, uh, well, mostly about four positioning rather than incremental life gain. I tried um, Fountain of Renewal. That kind of worked okay, but it's such a mopey card. I'm not sure if I ever want to register that again. Um, I'm really thinking though all the all the buzz on Twitter and like among the pro players. I, I think we might be seeing uh, Pro Tour Atlanta as a Pro Tour Golgari, where you know a, a very large chunk of the pros are going to be playing Golgari or a Dex beat Golgari. Like, do, do you guys think that's a reasonable expectation? There is no deck that consistently beats Black Green in the format currently. Hmm. Um, the only the only problem with Black Green right now is that there's about four or five different ways to build the deck. And most people are just, like, playing random versions that they think is better. And I think the only reason that Black Green would be losing is because people aren't playing a good concentrated deck yet. And that's because no pro or no pro tour has come out with the best Black Green version. Because um, most people are just out here trying to net deck and build whatever deck they think that other people think is good. Um, I think anybody who says they have a deck that consistently beats Black Green is just wrong or delusional in what they think the matchup is um and then there's also like four different ways or five different ways to be build the deck um so to me if you say you beat black green consistently you might beat one version but you probably don't beat the second or third version or you might be the first two versions but you don't beat the third and fourth version it's like it's 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 sort of complicated because the format is I want to say like fifty percent black green, but of those black green decks, there's like four different builds of it or five different builds of it. So I don't know. I just think that black green 
is like red black of the old format, not as powerful, but the deck of the format. Personally, I like that, but there's there's at least seven different builds of black green, maybe twenty. Wow. Um, people say it might be awkward if I ask Edgar his thoughts on status. It's not gonna be awkward. Just gotta ask him like his preparation, his team, how he's gonna prepare for for the tournament. Um, yeah, and and looks like we're back on YouTube because view, viewers are cropping up. Sadly, unfortunately, we're we're gonna wrap up the show with this question. Edgar, what's what's your prep gonna be looking like? Well, I'm prepping with teamfacefacegames.com. Um, can't go into too many details, but I can't say I disagree with uh, much of what these guys are saying. What, what I will say, though, is that I think that Derek is being his usual hyperbolic self and uh, claiming the sky is falling a mere week and a half into the format and that we're going to be playing nothing but black-green mirrors for the next year. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that um, someone's going to figure it out and the metagame's going to evolve and maybe I'm just being hopeful but I don't think it's going to be a, a sea of black green mirrors and who knows maybe we'll be the team to figure that out and maybe we already have we, can, we can't oh god <laughs> are you trying to like set a line for like number black green decks in the top 8 of the pro tour or something like that alright maybe like how many hugs would you give me if I said there was four or more black greens in the top eight, uh, I I think it's a little early to 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 say something like no that. no 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 <laughs> they have to be good hugs too. How many? I I'd, I'd be willing to give ten hugs. Ten hugs. Ten hugs. Ten hugs. All right, we're not betting on this, but if we could. <laughs> I, I think that there are a lot of really powerful cards in the new set and a lot of really powerful cards in the sets prior that were being suppressed by the power of the gods in Amonkhet and the energy cards in, in uh, Kaladesh block that people are overlooking even even to this day. I, I think it's pretty pretty early in the format to say that the sky is falling and we're going to be doing nothing but black green mirrors, but only time will tell. I've been wrong in the past. You've been wrong in the past. Who, who knows who it will be this time? What is that supposed to mean? Nothing. Did you I just didn't... say I've been wrong in the past? You've been wrong in the past. You made it seem like you're also wrong sometimes. Cause you said you were wrong first. Who knows who it'll be this time? Well, statistically, is that what you're doing here? Could be anything. Could be, could be anyone. Could be a boat. Could be 10 hugs. Uh, John, uh, to wrap things up, uh, what do you think as someone that's actually been working in the dojo, underground dojo, trying to find these, like, underplayed cards? Is there hope in your underground testing? Oh, to me? For for something not, yeah, for you, for something that's not green-black to rise to the top. You know, I've been secretly thinking if um, Nexus of Fate might be viable with all these creature dork beatdowns, but there's a lot more um, green, black, and trophy, and contempt, and they're all still there. And discard is still pretty hard to beat. I, I want to kind of stress test it, but I'm not convinced that it's it's a thing here. Otherwise, I might I might just go to dark side and you know either play a play a green, black, or try it out. Or I think expansion explosion is also pretty un, unexplored as well as frenzy. So you know you know what I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to the dark side here. I'm gonna keep trying to beat the uh, green, black menace. I think there's still a lot of optimization to be done with Frenzy. It might, it may not have to be pure, um, pure uh, mono red. It can be. I've seen some cool lists with Wayward uh, Sword Tooth, for example. I, I think that deck is bust. Uh, that card is busted in half, and um, you know, I, I think I can, uh, I can try to break it in half uh, as well before the format does. But who knows? I think Green Black is very good though, and you know what Derek said is pretty correct here. Like it might literally be like half of the online metagame. It's kind of annoying, but. Whatever. <laughs> I'm optimistic you'll break it. I'll, I'll chime in with you later to see if uh, there's a list you can ship me. All right, thanks for coming on, John. Thanks again, Edgar. As always, um, hoping that you come back with a with a top eight uh, PT performance or or maybe even a win. And uh, yeah, um, thanks again, Derek, for uh, holding it down the fort. So uh, we'll see you guys next week on YouTube, hopefully. Or eventually we'll stream on both. But thank you for joining us on Misplaced Ginger's Twitch. 
want to know more about our show, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash first strike pod or myself, KYT magic. Uh, we're also on Facebook under first strike podcast. Uh, we're also usually on the face to face games, YouTube uh, page, and you can subscribe to that channel as well. Or subscribe to the gingers Twitch. If you love this type of content because he does a lot of awesome content during the whole week. And with that, this is KYT saying, and for the rest of the guys, sing see you next week, and you can download the podcast tomorrow. Ciao, guys. Thank you.